Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Esther Freud is the author of I Couldn't Love You More, a novel. Esther Freud trained as an actress before writing her first novel, Hideous Kinky, published in 1992. Hideous Kinky was shortlisted for the John Llewellyn Reese Prize and made into a film starring Kate Winslet. In 1993, Esther was named a Granta Best Young British Novelist. She has since written seven other novels, including The Sea House, Love Falls, and Lucky Break. She also writes stories, articles, and travel pieces, and teaches creative writing at the Faber Academy. Her most recent novel, Mr. Mac and Me, was the winner of the East Anglian Book Award for Fiction 2015. Freud lives in London and Suffolk. Okay, welcome, Esther. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss I Couldn't Love You More. It's lovely to meet you in this strange virtual world. And I was just saying how much I was admiring your beautiful color-coded bookshelves behind you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yes, this is like, it's very comforting to be surrounded by books. There's something deeply calming about it for me, (laughs) probably for most people, but Anyway, well, what a beautiful novel, very thought-provoking, all these different relationships that you have in interweaving everything. Tell listeners what this book is about, please. 
Okay. Well, the book is, it started with the idea of writing about love. I was writing a play and it was set in a men's prison. And it was all about a woman who decided that what she really wanted to do was to go into men's prisons and teach them how to do high-end embroidery. So I spent a year or two immersed in these lives. And I thought when I, my next project, I want to write about love. And I chose three generations of women based very loosely on my own generation, my mother and my grandmother. And so the book is really about the ways that love kind of grows between the generations, the way that love is created and influenced by the kind of love that you have already received. And so that we hear from all three women and at the heart of the story is a big lie, a silence, an evasion. And that really came about, and that was never the plan initially. I didn't really start with a plot. I just started more with a theme and with these three characters. And I started to think about the sort of love life of my grandmother, my own love life, and my mother in the middle. And my mother, I'd always known this, but I have to say I'd never given it so much thought. My mother met my father when she was a teenager and she had me and my older sister by the time she was 20 and she kept our secret from her parents because she was living an unmarried bohemian life in Soho, 60s Soho in London and her parents were came from Catholic families. They were living in Ireland and they would have disapproved and I took that and started to really investigate what it would have been like for her if they had have known that she was pregnant. And I did a lot of research about what happened to young Catholic, especially Irish women in in the 60s. I have to say the 70s and the 80s, and obviously many years before, and often they ended up in mother and baby homes. Their babies were taken from them and the children never knew their mothers or how to find them because it was made very, very difficult to ever trace your mother. So my book Sorry, this is an extreme. I love it. No, keep going. Keep going. I love the backstory. No, yes, keep going. So I found myself having kind of thought, ah, a a lighter project after my prison work, writing about love. I, I found myself embroiled in something crueler, colder, and more brutal than any prison I visited. Wow. Wait, that's crazy about your mom hiding you and your sister. Wait, tell yeah. me what happened when she when you were revealed? Like what happened then? Well, so I think that I was about two or three and my sister was about five when a relative saw her waiting at a bus stop and wrote to her parents and said, oh, we didn't know your daughter was married. And of course she wasn't married. And they, I don't actually remember meeting them if I did until we, we went off on a big trip when I was four to Morocco, which is the basis for my first novel, Hideous Kinky. We went to Marrakesh in a van with some kind of hippie friends of my mother's. Maybe it was to get away from the sort of pressured, judgmental world of of Britain at that time. And my mother was a very unusual and intrepid woman, as you're probably gathering. So we spent nearly two years living in Morocco, traveling and having huge, extraordinary adventures. And when we came back, I remember meeting my grandparents. And and I think the saddest thing about these stories that I uncovered in my research is that, you know, the parents lost their children, the grandparents lost their grandchildren. Of course, whatever 
my grandparents felt about the idea of their daughter being an unmarried mother, having illegitimate, unbaptized children. Of course, when they met their two little granddaughters, they they took us into their hearts and we were, you know, they were wonderful. And we spent a lot of our childhood staying with them in Ireland where they ran a farm. So it ended well, but there were some, yeah, difficult, lonely and unsupported years in the meantime in which my mother struck out on a very independent life. Wow. Have you thought about writing it as a memoir? Well, I haven't (laughs) because I just drawn to fiction. I'm, you know, I know you're a writer and, and what happens is you have an idea and it comes to you in a form. So hideous kinky came to me in the form of writing a story. And also I didn't remember enough to write a memoir. I was, I was six by the time we returned to England. So I kind of remembered little moments and anecdotes and I kind of created the, the atmosphere and kind of rolled along with the story. They, they made it into a film. Kate Winslet played my yes, mom. Yes. And it's a beautiful film. I have to say they, they got the spirit of my story, uh, the kind of adventurous freedom of that time. Wow. Well, yeah. I have to say, I have to go back and now watch this film. I of course knew about it and I feel like I have not seen it unless I don't remember, which is totally possible. But anyway, of course I've heard of it. So I'm excited to go back, especially now that I've met you that it's cra- and it, knowing this story, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. Did your grandparents have a similar relationship to, how do you pronounce, Afi? Aoife. Aoife. Aoife, yeah. Well, I have to say, I don't really know for sure what their relationship was. The relationship that was, I guess it's, It's interesting how relationships between men and women have changed over the generations. I would say they had a a totally dedicated relationship. And I, in the course of writing this book, I thought a lot about the different relationships of the different generations, certainly, you know, in my lifetime, and how women of my grandmother's generation, they married in the 40s or maybe late 30s. I think they married pretty much the, the trajectory of this novel. I've used the dates, you know, just as the war was beginning, a Second World War. And, you know, they married for life. I think what my grandmother felt was, you know, my husband is for life. My children will grow up and move away. And I think what my generation felt, certainly most of my friends, is your children are for life. Who knows whether the men will come <laughs> and go? And it's changed so much. And the dedication and loyalty in my own generation and the ones around me, my, my even y- younger friends, is very much sort of a dedication to children and a great desire for children and an incredible connection and love with children and maybe a little less confidence in the male-female relationship. So I did look at my grandparents' relationship when I was writing this book and, and see a real sort of beauty in it, actually. But I think that in some ways the children lose out it's hard to get it all. You know, it's hard to have enough for the man and the children or the woman and the children or whoever your partner may happen to be. It's true. Let alone work and everything else in life. <laughs> yeah. Lots of competing demands. In the book, there was when Rosaline escapes from the convent and ends up at home twice, which was crazy. The second time she went back, when she stayed and then came home the next summer and was a changed, quiet, sort of docile version of herself. And there was nothing mentioned of what happened in the convent other than that the nun had said, okay, well, I'm going to take care of this. This is never happening again. What, like, my mind went to what kind of abuse was happening there, what was happening in those months. And so I was wondering if in your research, 
you uncovered things that were happening to the women there or if or if I misread that or or what? I feel like you're referring to to when she's a child and she's yes. in the boarding school convent. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, my mother, like Rosaline, went off to a boarding school convent when she was seven. Her sisters were sent when they were four. And so it doesn't take a lot of imagination to imagine how strangely lonely it would be to be brought up like that. I interviewed my mother's cousin who was at the convent with her. My mother, sadly, is no longer with us. She died too young. But her cousin was at school with her. My cousin, her cousin remembered her incredibly vividly, had so much to say about her. My mother, and this is very typical and telling, literally had never mentioned this cousin and never really (laughs) talked about the past. (laughs) So I didn't say that to the cousin who was like, it's a big part of her life, her relationship with my mother as a child. But she told me some pretty harrowing stories about, you know, being, you know, beaten with a slipper and made you know, to be on silent retreats for days on end, age sort of eight. I would say nothing that wouldn't seem too terrible in some ways for that time. I mean, you know, Britain has a terrible reputation for boarding school brutality. And so many, particularly boys, actually, were just treated so appallingly over the years. Young, young, the younger they were, the sort of more brutal the treatment often was because there was no one to tell and no recourse So my mother, I didn't actually hear so much from my mother about it. All I knew was that she was unhappy and desperate and did run away often and was always sent back. It's really um, kind of heartbreaking, uh, right? It is heartbreaking. I think that's very much the feeling. If you send your child to boarding school, you've got to stick with it until they stop complaining. And obviously we all stop complaining after a bit. I sent my my son is at boarding school, so but I I hope that there's, I mean... (laughs) From what I hear, it's not anything like that. But I mean, I hope. God, my gosh. I think it's very different now, yes. really. And I'm sure he's not four years old. No, no, no. He's 14. But. <laughs> Probably in absolute heaven. <laughs> he is. He's, he like doesn't even want to come up. It's, it's great. I'm thrilled. But so what is the impact? I know through the book, we got to watch what happens with Rosalina as she gets older. What was the impact of that on your mother, right? So she went in this very, and this doesn't, I can totally switch gears if this is too invasive or whatever, but I'm like so fascinated by your history. So she goes to the convent and then she becomes this bohemian and has children very young and off to Morocco. So by the time she's like 27, she's back in London with having lived this whole life. Like what happened then? And how did it affect how she raised you from that point on? So then, and this is obviously the book diverges. I use just for people who I get confused myself, like because so, I use often the the knob of something that's autobiographical in my work, and then I kind of riff on it. I love the story to feel as if it is my story. Mm-hmm. I like to use some find something in a story. If I was just telling and writing a story about women who and who went through this of trauma of mother and baby homes without finding a way to link it to myself, I, I would find that hard. Mm-hmm. On the hard days, I think I would lose faith. But my own mother, well, once we were back in England, we actually had a rather kind of quiet, well, quiet compared to the rest, I suppose. We, we went to live in the country. We went to a Steiner school. I don't know. You have Waldorf or Steiner. Oh, uh-huh. Like Montessori. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, it's, it's not Montessori, but it's a kind of alternative education. And what really was important to my mother with no, was 
it had no religious bias. Mm-hmm. So no one was, you know, telling you off the sins that you may have committed almost as you were born. That was important to her. So it was a very creative school. And we lived there for 10 years in the country. And various adventures continued to go on, as you can imagine. But yeah, we we had a calmer time. And There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So then how did that affect how you brought up your kids? Well, I love the fact that we all try and replicate our parents the way they brought us up and rebel against it all at the same time. It's it's hard work. I had a great desire for stability because we, even though we lived in the country, in, in, in the south of England, in Sussex for 10 years, we didn't initially have anywhere to live. So we moved and moved and moved. I think we moved 16 times in, in, in oh my two years. And then we settled down for a bit. Then we moved again. So I was very keen on a house, big, solid place to live, but also quite restless. So it was a bit confusing for my children. They're like, mom, stop looking at that house. We're in a house. We just moved. So it's like, I want a really beautiful house, but I'm always like going, we actually live we have a house where I am right now in the country, but we did used to live in the house next door. And they couldn't believe that I forced them to move to the house next door when it came up for sale. And then I saw another house and they were like, mom, stop it. So yeah, I have a mixture, but my kids have had a very stable life compared to mine. And my mother had a very exciting and rebellious time compared to her upbringing. So yeah. Well, who knows? It's funny you say that about your kids because just this morning, my daughter, I love to go to open houses and like look at houses. It's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) And literally, I don't know, out of nowhere this morning, my daughter said to me, Could you promise me that we're not going to move houses? Like, can you just promise? And I was like, Well, I'm not going to promise, but it's always fun to look, you know? And she's like, No, that's our, you know, it's our home. Anyway, not here in the city, but out of the city. Anyway, it's that need for, stability in home is very deep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. I like the moment when I'm between, like I'm just about to go somewhere else. That really makes me very happy. I like the little journey between two different places, but knowing where I'm going. Yeah. Well, also the promise of a new 
start when you get to literally redo it and you can be like, well, this is how I'm going to live now. I don't know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. So I'm not, I'm not making any promises there, but who knows? So in terms of writing, when you were considering all the different characters and the stories and interweaving, did you, did you write it all as it is now, or did you write one character's narrative? Like, did you write about Kate or did you like, how did that, when did you, how did you do it? How did I structure it? How did you structure um, it in the writing process? Sure. Well, I started very freely and I wrote very short. I know the chapters are still quite short, but I wrote even shorter chapters, just jumping about all over the place, whatever I wanted to do. So I started with, you know, one character and a few pages later, I suddenly put the other. I, I didn't even write their stories chronologically. And I thought that I would be able to maybe get away with it and have an incredible tapestry patchwork of three women's lives reflecting and dancing off each other. And I went on like this for about 500 pages and I handed it to my editor who, who, who looked, I felt for her, her eyes were kind of wide and blinking and said, okay, well, how about writing each person's story separately, one at a time? And I was like, hmm, okay. And I decided that there was something in the middle. I didn't really want to do that because I wanted for the, my reader to read one person's story, knowing all sorts of things about them from having just read a little chapter of someone else's point of view. I wanted it to overlap and interweave and to echo each other, all the stories. But I calmed down with my kind of desire to be very, very, I wanted to write something in a slightly different freer style than I ever had. And I wanted to really play with narrative. I, I use lots of different ways of, you know, one is in the first person and the present tense yeah. and the third person. And one is kind of a retelling backwards through life. And I, I just, I was having so much fun. So I calmed down. I took each story and I put it into its own document and I put it chronologically and I cut out about 100 pages that were set in the 70s of Rosaline's life. So we never meet her again until the very end, which I was sad about. And I'm hoping I can use that 100 pages. Yeah. We all tell ourselves it wasn't wasted, but sadly, it's very rare you can use those things again. But anyway, I wasted just you should You should do an audio original with just that. Oh, just that bit. I have, I'm writing short stories at the moment and I have managed to take one section and put it into a story and I'm still not sure if it really fits in there. So <laughs> trying to shoehorn it in somewhere. There's one bit I was really sad to lose, but the book was so much better for it and people who weren't me could follow what was going on and that obviously in the end is the only important <laughs> thing. <laughs> and I handed it back and my editor looked incredibly relieved. And, oh. uh, Wow. Amazing. So are you working on anything new now? Yeah. So I wrote a short story not long after finishing this book, I guess a year or so ago. And it was actually inspired by the book. Sometimes you have even more to say than will fit into this long book. I had so much to say. And it was actually, I, I teach creative writing sometimes and I was teaching a course and I asked everyone to write a story. And I said, the story should have the theme of a journey. And I suddenly remembered that when I was about 14 and my sister was 16, we went to Ireland and to visit my grandparents who just retired. And we started to traveling around the country, partly because it was hard to be in a little retirement bungalow with them. 
And we went around the country and we, there was just one thing that caught my imagination when I was thinking about my journey story was we, we, we met her in this, in the, in the West of Ireland, in the middle of nowhere, we bumped into a monk who asked us if we'd heard of the Beatles. And we were so sort of appalled and affronted to think that we who considered ourselves rather cool had never heard of the Beatles. So that became part of a story. And it was actually just a few weeks ago published by the New Yorker, which was a, a dream I hadn't even had. And so, but but since then, I just decided to keep writing short stories, all from the point of view of the same narrator, sort of based in some ways in my life. And there, yeah, I'm just now in the kind of mur- what I always think of as the murky middle. I've got some really great stories at the beginning. I've got a great one for the end. Oh God, I've just got to find those middle ones to make the thing pull together. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, every book has a bit that's hard work. For me, it's almost always the two thirds of the way in, I find hard. Interesting. So that's where I am. Wow. Well, that sounds wonderful too. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Well, the only advice that I have that I think is actually really helpful is to try and create some momentum in your work, you know, to just set yourself a few hours if that's all you can find and ideally around the same time every day and to actually sit down and write and not lots and lots of research and not lots of thinking and not lots of talking, just a write. And even if most of what you write isn't to your pleasing, there might be one beautiful, clear, clean line that makes you sing and that's all you need. And it doesn't matter how many words you write. You can actually cut words. I, I, I call it paying attention to your story. If you do that, you know, if you did that every day for a year, you would have something. And that is what I would say. If you really do want to make something, think of it less as writing, but more as sort of making. You're just compiling. I often think of instead of writing more, sort of, you know, making an, it longer, I think of fattening it widening it so I rewrite a lot at the beginning and to fatten and widen and suddenly oh I I know what I want to write and I I like that I was just doing that this morning and on one of these murky middle stories (laughs) and I suddenly felt myself surprised at where I was going and a lot happier than when I was worrying about it and not writing yesterday (laughs) (laughs) yes the worry the the worry can take over pretty much everything so Yeah. yeah Less well, thinking or writing is what I tell myself. That's good words to live by. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Esther. This has been so interesting. And the way, just sitting here listening to you talk, your voice is so like melodic and the accent and your thoughts and the way you speak is so beautiful. This is like, I feel like I've just like, I don't know, gone to the theater or something. Like I feel refreshed and had an injection of creativity or something. So thank you. Thank you. That's lovely. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day. And it was lovely to meet you. Yeah. Great to meet you. And good luck with all your various ventures. Thank you very much. Good luck with the murky middle. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.